0: Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us—the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Rev. Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus— the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you.
1: So our scripture reading in Acts says that the disciples were gathered together when tongues of fire rested on each of them. As they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were able to speak in other tongues, which means they were able to speak in other languages. This attracted a large crowd with people from all over who were amazed that they could understand these disciples from Galilee speak in their own languages. Yet some people made fun of them and said, they are drunk. Peter responds to those who would mock them and he says, we can't be drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Apparently they didn't serve mimosas at breakfast back then. <laughs> I'm sure many of you have experienced something like this before you have an experience where it's undeniable that god has been moving in your life like the heat from the fire you feel this passion of the holy spirit moving in your lives and then someone comes along and mocks you because they're afraid of your passion of this fire within you like the elderly man carl who is startled by the dog doug we who can talk and up. It's shocking and scary sometimes when God moves in unexpected ways and speaks to us where we are in ways that we can understand. It's hard to believe. It's scary to admit this truth. And as far as I know, no one has actually invented a collar where dogs can talk to us in different languages that we can understand. But I love how, dogs, how Doug says, Hi, my name is Doug. I just met you, and I love you. When someone shares the love of God with us, it's like the unconditional love we get from a dog immediately. We know this love is real, and it's as powerful as a dog wagging his tail for us. I just met you, and I love you. That's a lot like the fire of the Holy Spirit being present with us, where we feel strangely warmed by God's presence and love immediately. So let me tell you a story about how God has breathed this love into my life and spoken to me through the fire of the Holy Spirit. I gave my very first sermon when I was 17 years old. It was Youth Sunday and I talked about my friend, OJ, who had committed suicide. His death had affected our youth group a great deal. It brought us closer together because we leaned on each other during this time of grief. But I asked the question, why did it take his death to bring us closer together and why did it take jesus's death for us to know we have the forgiveness of sins and the power of the holy spirit and resurrection and eternal life and after my first sermon multiple parents were coming up to me and the pastor saying you need to get this kid started in ministry and the more i gave sermons the more people were telling me that this is my calling i believe The Holy Spirit was speaking through them, and they changed the course of my life. My undergraduate degree at Texas Wesleyan University was in Christian education. From the moment I started college to later attending seminary, I knew that I wanted to be in ministry. It's the only career that I ever pursued. I've never felt more confident than when I am sharing the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Challenging people to hear the story of God moving in our lives in exciting new ways has always been my passion. I had the time of my life 13 years ago when I first became the pastor at a little town at a small little country church in Reddick, Florida. After I was there for only a short period of time, people were saying, the kids are coming back to church, which meant people under 50 were coming back to church, (laughs) I was only there for three years, but we were featured on the front page of the United Methodist Church website for having the secret to church growth. The mayor of Reddick and the church's lay leader at the time, Jim Stroop, he said, Russell, we needed you to breathe life into this church, and you needed us to believe in yourself as a minister. When Shannon was pregnant with Kennedy, we decided to move back to Texas to be around our family as we started our family. The United Methodist Church in Texas said they didn't have an appointment for me. I met this crazy, down-to-earth pastor, Joe, who took me in, and he wanted to hire me as his associate to train me to take over for him when he retired. I said, out of courtesy, we should let the district superintendent know, even though they said they didn't have an appointment for me. Joe came back, and he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He told me not to hire you. He said, not to be confused by your great resume. Not only was I being kept from being appointed, but I couldn't even get a job. I had spent 13 years in ministry at that time doing what I love and just left the time of my life being a pastor at this little country church, and now it was suddenly over. Before I had moved to Florida, I had spoken up about how a pastor was treating people unfairly and harshly. She was nice one second and then totally demeaning the next, and she caused seven people to leave her staff because of how she treated us. I spoke up about her unfair treatment, and I got my hands slapped, and she got promoted to district superintendent. So when Shannon had this chance to move to Florida for her job, and I was sent to work at this small little country church in Reddick, I was ecstatic for this change and being able to follow my passion for ministry. It took me a month before the district superintendent would have a meeting with me. I wanted answers to why I couldn't get an appointment or even a job now. He told me that they are not welcoming me back into this conference. He said that I'm always going my own way, that I don't understand emotional context, and that I don't respect authority. After my gut just sank lower and lower, I told him, I know where these comments are coming from because this is exactly what she used to say about me. I wish you could have got to know me for who I really am and not what she said about me. I walked out of his office and I walked away from the United Methodist Church and ministry and I never looked back. This was 10 years ago now. So I became a stay-at-home dad taking care of Kennedy and with the demands of Shannon's job, we grew to love our new situation because we really made it work. I was able to hide behind this new job of caring for my girls and put the emotions of leaving ministry in the back of my mind, refusing to deal with them. It wasn't until two and a half years later when we had moved to Kentucky because Shannon had taken on a new role for her career and Kennedy started going to daycare that all of these emotions of leaving ministry came back in a way that I was forced to deal with them. Shannon talked me into seeing a therapist. In my first meeting with the therapist, she told me to write down all of the negative things that I said about myself in the next week. I was haunted by what this pastor said about me and what the district superintendent said about me and my thoughts would just overwhelm me. A week later, the therapist said, Asked how I felt after writing down all these negative things and I said After I wrote them down. I was able to see how they were wrong. I was able to see a different perspective I was able to see a more positive way to think about myself The therapist said to me Russell You are not a failure the church leaders failed you The time I spent with this therapist gave me the healing I needed to tell my story It inspired me to write my first book, Loser, about my time in ministry in Reddick and how God moves in our lives after we experience death or a job loss or other changes in our lives. So like Jesus said, we lose our lives to find it. That's why it's called Loser. What the therapist had said to me to help me, Shannon had already said the same things to me and my friends had already said the same things to me, but for some reason when she said it, it clicked. Like the Holy Spirit helping the disciples to speak in different languages, my therapist had spoke to me in a different way to help me truly hear what I needed to hear to find healing. And Shannon was the helper who had encouraged me to ask for help in the first place. The Holy Spirit isn't just a voice From God coming down from the heavens, the Holy Spirit often speaks to us through the people in our lives who help us to cast out these negative voices in our head, and they remind us of who God says about us and who God made us to be. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as our helper. He told his disciples in John 15, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Another translation of this says, The Holy Spirit is our advocate. The Spirit is the one who speaks on our behalf. God is on our side. And when the Helper does come, It can be shocking and terrifying and freeing and healing in unexpected ways. We can't help but testify with passion and fire that God has changed our story, our perspective, our lives. I have followed an organization for many years called uh, To Write Love on Her Arms. This organization was started because of young women who would cut themselves and cause self-harm. Instead of inducing self-harm, to write love on her arms is about changing their story and their thoughts about themselves to not have bloody cuts on their arms, but to write love on their arms. I love following their Facebook page because they send out these daily reminders and truths like, you are supposed to be here, you are not a burden, you are loved, or I'm letting myself need other people. The pastor and author, Nadia Boltzweber, says in the end, the only real love in the world is found when you let yourself be truly known. Church is truly the church when we are able to be fully ourselves, our messed up, negative voices, self-harming, depressed, anxious, feeling like a loser selves. And when we share ourselves, our sin and shame and raw, true junk and all, that's when we are free to see God show us a different perspective, that you don't have to live there anymore. You're not lost. You are found. There is a place for you. You belong here, and you are not alone. And here you don't have to be afraid to be fully known. That's church. That's riding love on our arms. When Shannon and I lived in Kentucky, we made friends with, it's a hard story to tell. We made friends with other parents at the daycare that Kennedy attended. It was a group of seven families and we bonded quickly and we would all get together for playtime with our kids and birthday parties and holidays and we just enjoyed being with each other. These Kentucky friends became our family. Even after we moved away from Kentucky, and other families have moved to different states too. we still get together for beach trips and we make trips to see each other and we talk often. When one of the moms of the group had died unexpectedly, we held a memorial service for her on our beach trip. And this past Christmas, we learned that one of the boys in our group, Mason, who is Kennedy's age, has leukemia. This hit us hard amongst our group of friends because Mason might as well be our own child. A couple weeks ago, Mason's hair started to fall out, and they decided to shave his head, and Mason was not happy about it. He didn't want his mom to share a picture of him, and our hearts all broke for Mason and his family going through all this. So then, one of the moms in our group, in our Kentucky family, Candace, she sent a picture of what she did at lunch. She had gone to a barber at her lunchtime from work, and she shaved the back of her head to where it made an M for Mason and a ribbon to symbolize she was thinking of someone who had cancer. I texted Candace and I said, I love your hair. What a simple but profound act of love. What an act of solidarity when, solidarity when Mason needed it from his friend's mom. What a way to show a little boy he's not alone in his battle. The hashtag, Mason Strong, has been the hashtag that his family has used to share his story the strength that mason and his parents and his little sister find and that we find is to know we're not alone fighting our battles the helper is here my friend micah i've known uh, since first grade we went to elementary school together and we played soccer together um, his dad was our soccer coach And in high school michael micah uh, and i ran in two different crowds Micah was on the football team, and the most I ever did in sports was play left out. Um, I was a band nerd in high school, and Micah and I, we didn't really interact much at that time. But seven years ago, in 2017, Micah called me one evening, and this has become a lasting friendship. I haven't seen Micah in person for seven years, but about once a month, we talk on the phone about everything under the sun. We talk about religion and some of the deepest hurt that we've had in our lives. For seven years, whenever someone, uh, some big tragedy has happened in the news, we talk about how we wish for the world to be and how we wish the world would treat each other. And Micah is an atheist, but he knows the Bible really well. He was, he was raised Southern Baptist. He doesn't believe in the same things that I do, but our friendship means a great deal to us because we have shared some of the toughest things that we have had going on in our lives and how to process them. He called me a week ago to congratulate me on my return to ministry. He started out by saying, I am truly excited for you to be able to do what you love and what excites you. His support means the world to me because of our support and love for one another. It has transcended the different beliefs and values that we share and I think that's so awesome. Micah has read this sermon, and he was gracious enough to let me share some of our conversation with you. We got to talking last week, and I told him I was bothered by a Facebook post I had seen by another pastor about the movie called A Man Called Otto, starring Tom Hanks. This is a great movie that's on Netflix right now. The movie is about an elderly man, played by Hanks, who has lost his wife and tries to commit suicide. Micah stopped me and responded, well, I can relate to that and I said as I was saying that to you I realize how this totally relates to you see Micah he lost his wife Candace to about two years ago and he tells me that the only thing keeping him alive some days is that he made a promise to Candace on her deathbed that he would take care of everything and that he would take care of their family Candace was comatose for weeks in the hospital and Micah had to make the most difficult decision with the doctors to take her off life support. It's been a struggle for me to be respectful of his beliefs and values because I told him before that as a pastor, I have things I usually say in these situations or words that I would pray with him out loud when people are grieving. He said, I don't need you to say anything. The fact that you are listening to me is enough. So in the movie, a man called Otto, the elderly man, finds help from a woman and her family in the community. And this pastor's Facebook post that I was telling Micah about said, this movie was secular, which means not not religious, and had no mention of God or the Holy Spirit, and it was wrong because it was not God who saved his life, but a person. I was taken aback by this because I feel like the Holy Spirit absolutely moves through other people in our lives. Just because it's not named the Holy Spirit who did this, doesn't mean the Spirit is not moving to bring God's goodness all around us. Prevenient grace means there is grace for us from God before we even knew who God was. Before we knew it was God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, God was there. God's presence was real. I believe that God will be revealed in time and we'll look back and see how the helper and the advocate was always there acting on our behalf. But sometimes... We don't see how the Helper is with us at the time, and that's okay. I told Micah, I said, I know you don't believe in God and the church, and that that has never bothered me. And he responded, yeah, I was so mad when my mom sent me a sermon the other day. Uh, He said, Mom, you know I don't believe this stuff. What did you think you would accomplish by sending me this? And so Micah, if you're watching, I won't tell your mom that you're watching my sermon. (laughs) But I laughed and I continued. I said, I know you don't believe in God in the church, but with all the times we've been talking over the years, I said, I feel like we've been the church. Our conversations have been what church is supposed to be about. We have given each other a place where we belong and we can speak truthfully and be real with each other. And we have given each other a place to know we're not alone and we're still alive. And he said, yeah, I'm not dead yet. That's church between a pastor and an atheist. Church is a place where you can be your true self and ask for help. And church is a people who show up for you and speak in your own honest, messed up language to let you know you're not alone. Micah told me that I could quote him on something in my sermon, but he uses some colorful language, so I'm going to paraphrase what he said. (laughs) He said, I don't believe in what you do, but the church needs someone like you, and I believe you can do some good where the church has failed. So let me introduce myself. Hi, I'm Russell. I just met you, and I love you. I feel God calling me back into ministry after 10 years of being away, and my family and I are so excited to start this new chapter. I believe that voices like Micah's are voices that we should listen to because they teach us how the church has gotten it all wrong and how we can do better. I heard someone say the future of the church is going to be found in voices from the trenches. The most unlikely places and voices might just be the ones the Spirit is leading us to listen to. I believe that the fire of the Holy Spirit will speak to each of us and show us that church is right here. It's right here in this building and it's with all of you that are watching this online or for those of you who are listening to this sermon podcast or those of you who are reading the manuscript on our website where two or more are gathered, there is church. There's a place for you and there's someone to sit with you. You belong here and you are not alone. We can ask for help because the helper is here and this fire will speak to us and warm our hearts. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azilchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.